choir, appreciate it. Welcome to all of you on this beautiful, this is like the perfect day. You know that, right? It's going to be like 80 degrees, sunny, it's a nice, cool morning out there, and I hope you're just enjoying it. Somebody was saying, we need parking spaces. Well, there, I did see a couple of them out there, but yeah, it's a great problem to have. But uh, welcome, good to have you. I am, I am getting over pink eye, and so I'm trying to avoid shaking hands. I'm not trying to be rude to anybody. I'm actually trying to be helpful, all right? So uh, I, you do not want it. Yesterday, I, it happened on Friday. I started medication on Friday. By 1 o'clock this morning, I woke up, and I'm like, wow, my eye feels pretty much normal, and it's feeling better, but I'm going to still avoid people for the day anyway. But uh, yesterday, if I opened my eye, it was like somebody took a knife and just poked my eye. It just was not fun. And uh, I've never really had that like that before, so oh, well, I'll quit complaining. Good to have you. Uh, if you're joining, if joining us for the first time, please stop by the Welcome Center. We would love to uh, give you a, a gift and just let you know you're glad to have you. If you're joining online for the first time, uh, that QR code will uh, let you register with us and let, you, let us know that you're out there listening. It's always an encouragement for us to know that you're there. Ushers, if you would like to help usher, then uh, please see Brother Ken McKinney. We need help with ushers. Uh, we're back to taking up offerings and things like that and helping people find seats. Those are always good things. So uh, if you can help us with that, see Brother Ken. Rekindle Volunteer Meeting is tonight following this evening's service in the Fellowship Hall. If you say, I don't know, Pastor John, I'm not sure. I've never done that before. Just come on. We would love to have you. We're looking to have about 120 or so teenagers here on Rekindle Day that Saturday. And we play. It's, we relive a day of camp is what we do. So uh, we play camp-style games with a hundred and some odd kids out there playing at the same time. And we, uh, we then have church services. Brent Gellis, Evangelist Brent Gellis, will be with us that day preaching three services. And it's a great time for the teenagers. It's free to uh, anyone that wants to come. It's uh, geared toward teenagers, so it's really been a day of camp. So if you'd like to help out with that, the volunteer meeting is tonight following the evening service. Typically, if you've been doing it, we're counting on you to be there. So uh, just plan on coming back and being a part of that. That'll help us out. It takes a lot of people to run that at the time. And then our missionaries of the week are the Lathams down in Mexico. They have one of the no- most unique ministries going. There, there are now at least three of our missionaries that have kind of bought into that concept. But they've gone, they've started a church, uh, they've started a, a school, a seminary, and now they're starting churches through that seminary. I think they're up to you know, 20-some churches that they've started uh, as they've been down there. And, wow, it is wonderful to watch what the Lord's doing. So uh, just uh, in, get yourself uh, involved in that as much as you can by reading their letters and those kinds of things and remembering them. We have another announcement to make. Always fun to make these kinds of announcements. So go ahead and pop that next picture up there. Look at that. Somebody got engaged. And so congratulations to Nate and Bertha. Yes, congratulations. That's always exciting. I want to officially invite you to our Sunday class, all right? We have a Sunday school class that's for engaged on up, and uh, you'll love it and you'll hate it. I'm going to tell you honestly, it's one of those classes you love and hate. We're doing a book called The Peacemaker, and it will uh, kind of chew you up a little bit, but it's a great study. We've enjoyed it, and so uh, be there for that. Uh, Also, on the uh, 23rd of this month, uh, I'm sorry, I'm reading the wrong announcement. Let me go to the 23rd of this month. Uh, Chantel would like to have some help in moving. Uh, so if that's, if you can help out, uh, she's got it down to just boxes. The furniture is going to be moved by a, a company. But if you can help remove load and unload boxes, she says, I'll buy pizza for those who come. She was going to get it at Costco. So those of you who know Costco pizza is really good. And so you can uh, involve yourselves with that. See Miss Chantel. Uh, that is going to be next Saturday at 10 o'clock, right? The 20, is that right? No, two Saturdays, all right, so the 23rd. Anyway, whatever that is, the 23rd. And then uh, also this evening, following the evening service, the Hope in Christ ministry, that's the cancer ministry with Miss Jeanette. I would like to meet, they'll meet right over, where's Miss Jeanette? You're going to meet over there? Right over there, all right, so, all right, fantastic. And I have one more. Uh, Cindy Rawlings, where are you at, Miss Cindy? Cindy Rawlings, they don't get out on Sunday nights very often, so uh, today is Miss Cindy's birthday. I said today is Miss Cindy's birthday, yeah, and uh, happy birthday to you, Miss Cindy. How long have you known the Lord is your Savior? Wow. 
So m me and the majority of the congregation just want to live to be 71. You know that, right? <laughs> Known the Lord for 71 years. That's exciting. Praise the Lord. So happy birthday to you. Let's have the men come. We're going to take out the morning offering. I'm going to ask Matt if he would remember the Lathams in prayer. Ask the Lord's blessing upon the service as well today. And uh, ask the Lord to bless the offering. Lord, we thank you for this morning and for another opportunity to come to your house and worship you. And God, we just thank you that we can gather around your word. And I pray that you would give pastor the words to speak this morning. Challenge our hearts. Help us to be open to what your spirit has for us. We pray for our missionaries, the Lathams in Mexico. Thank you for the work that they are doing down there and your blessing upon it with all these churches that they have started now. And I just ask that you would continue to give them wisdom and guidance as they share the gospel. Thank you for the plane repair that they had as well and that they're able to get back to that ministry. So you would bless this, uh, this morning's offerings. Help us, Lord, to use it wisely, to use it for your honor and for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you would stand with me, we're going to sing this morning about God's grace. Uh, we're going to start by saying, only a sinner saved by grace. We'll sing three verses of this song. Not have I gotten but what I've received. Grace has bestowed it since I have believed. Boasting excluded, pride I have
Chapter 2, beginning in verse 17. Behold, thou art called a Jew, and restest in the law, and makest thy boast of God, and knowest his will, and approvest the things that are more excellent, being instructed out of the law, and art confident that thou thyself art a guide of the blind, a light of them which are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, which hast the form of knowledge and of the truth in the law. Thou therefore which teachest another, teachest thou not thyself? Thou that preachest a man should not steal, dost thou steal? Thou that sayest a man should not commit adultery, dost thou commit adultery? Thou that abhorrest idols, dost thou commit sacrilege? Thou that makest thy boast of the law, through breaking the law dishonest thou God? For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles through you, as it is written. For circumcision verily profiteth, if thou keep the law, but if thou be a breaker of the law, thy circumcision is made uncircumcision. Therefore, if the uncircumcision keep the righteousness of the law, shall not his uncircumcision be counted for circumcision? And shall not uncircumcision, which is by nature, if it fulfill the law, judge thee, who by the letter and circumcision dost transgress the law? For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew, which is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. May the Lord prosper his word, whereto he sent it, you may be seated. We're going to sing a couple of songs that we haven't sung in a couple of years. And I know that scares some of you, um, but they were hymn of the month, hymns of the month uh, in 2021. And so we're going to start by saying Grace Amazing. We'll sing three verses of Grace Amazing. From the splendid courts of heaven, <clears throat> the took my death upon him and gave all his life to me in the cross. Cross of Christ, our glory. 
New Hymn of the Month. We learned it last week. We're going to add the second verse today, so we'll sing the first and the second verse of The Greatest Story Ever Told. Sin grips the heart within A curse of fallen men This pride and selfishness We hold in Though we were all condemned We had a loving friend Who came to save us The greatest story ever told is of this Jesus, how he came to earth to rescue sinful men, sent from the Father up above to sacrifice in love and take our place and give us ending grace. He lived a perfect life.
Take your Bibles, if you would, please, and turn to the book of Ezekiel, the book of Ezekiel, the 16th chapter. I know it's a weird chapter sometimes to turn to, or a weird book to turn to, you might think. We're focusing this whole month and next month on the gospel and uh, the importance of the gospel. I mean, it's all about, Jesus said in John chapter 14, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. The importance of the gospel is that if, we're, if we have any hope of heaven, it rests only in Jesus Christ. You understand that? Only in Christ. If our friends, our families, the world out there has any hope of heaven, it is only through Jesus Christ. It's not a church. This church cannot get anyone to heaven. It can't. Uh, tonight we're going to have a baptism. That baptism is not going to get this young man to heaven. That's not how this works. It's only through Jesus Christ. And you say, wow, then why are we turning to the book of Ezekiel? Because there is a picture, and this picture is of Israel. I'm aware that Israel is not the church, all right? I know that. But the picture of what God does for Israel is a beautiful picture of what God does for us through salvation. The Bible says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And because we have sinned, we are in desperate need of a Savior. There's nothing we can do. In fact, here's what... It so, it so corrupts us, sin so corrupts us, that the Bible says this, that all of our righteousnesses, every righteous thing that we do, becomes, in the sight of a holy God, as filthy rags. It, it, it's, you know, there's nothing that, I mean, even when we do good things, it's tainted by our sinful condition. And, and so, therefore, when we do good things, like go to church, get baptized, read our Bibles, uh, you know, give money to somebody, help, help those in need. Those are good things, and we should do them. But that's not going to get us to heaven, because, because we are so corrupted by sin that even our goodnesses, our good deeds, are corrupted by our sin, and as they stand before, compared to a holy, righteous God, they are as filthy rags. So when we offer that to God as a way to get into heaven, it doesn't work, because compared to his holiness, it's, it's not holy at all. And in fact, because it is not, it, that causes us, our sin problem is a division between us and God. We are dead, the Bible says, in our trespasses and sins. We're separated from God because of that sinfulness. And we can't match up to his righteousness. And we couldn't do it. It's just not going to happen. So something had to happen whereby God's righteousness was met. In order for me to go into heaven, something has to happen to cause my sinfulness to be eradicated and replaced by his righteousness. And anything I have to do is going to be, it's going to be destroyed because it's already destroyed by my sin. So what has to happen? Well, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, who believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to live a perfect, sinless life on this earth and then willingly to offer his perfect, sinless life as the payment for my wicked, sinful life. And then by faith, when I trust his payment to be sufficient for my sin debt, I am given the gift of eternal life. I am forgiven by God through Jesus Christ, through his shed blood. And what you're going to see here in Ezekiel chapter 16 is a beautiful picture of just that. 
And I want to show you the picture so that we can understand just how wonderful this God of ours is and how wonderful salvation is. Let's pray and we'll jump into this. Father, as we look today at what salvation means to us, what it does for us, what the offer is that you have made, not for our sins only, but for the sins also of the whole world. God, I pray that we would be burdened for those around us, that we would desire to see others come to know Christ. And Father, we will thank and praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 1 says, And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, cause Jerusalem to know her abominations, to know where she stands, separated from God, and say, Thus saith the Lord God unto Jerusalem, Thy birth and thy nativity is of the land of Canaan. Thy father was an Amorite, thy mother an Hittite, and as for thy nativity, your birth, in the day that thou wast born, thy navel was not cut, neither wast thou washed in water to supple thee, nor uh, thou wast not salted at all, nor swaddled at all. None I pity thee to do any of these unto thee, to have compassion upon thee, but thou wast cast out in the open field to the loathing of thy person in the day that thou wast born. Here's, here's the condition we're born in. We are born without hope. We are born sinful, born in sin. We are sinners by our very nature. Now, because we're sinners, we sin. But, you know, we, you know it doesn't take me sinning to be a sinner, right? Because I'm a sinner, I sin. This is the way I'm born. I, I, I start out life this way. And I am without hope apart from what God will do. Anything that I'm going to, any hope I have of heaven is going to require that God do something because I'm without hope. Here I am. I have been cast out. I've been laid aside. Nothing has been done to take care of, of my sinful condition. I've been literally just, just tossed aside. Think about this. Spiritually speaking, this is where we are. We are, we're, we're, we're of no good to anyone. Uh, we, we can't serve God because we're sinful. We can't serve each other because we're sinful. Uh, everything that we do is going to corrupt, 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 corrupt. It, it, it leads us to nothing. We are without hope, without God doing something. I, I can't emphasize this enough. I want us to understand this because sometimes we have a tendency to view other people in a different light. You know, I know that what the Bible says, Pastor John, but this person I know over here... They're such a good person. They do wonderful things. You won't find a nicer person on the planet than this person over here. Have you ever heard somebody say, well, if, any, if anybody's going to heaven, I know they are. Have you ever heard somebody say that? Well, that's true if they've trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior. But apart from Christ, no one goes. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Folks, we've got to begin to understand the lost condition of people. We are, spiritually speaking, of no earthly or heavenly good. We have been set aside, we've been cast out to our own loathing, the Bible says here. We're just in trouble. We, by the way, think, think about the illustration that God's giving. He's, he's likening us to an infant. What can that infant do for itself? Totally, completely dependent upon someone else. If no one comes along, what happens to this infant that's been thrown along by the wayside, left to itself? What's going to happen? It's going to die. That infant has no hope. No hope. Now, when we put that into the spiritual realm, and we understand this is a spiritual illustration, there's nothing we can do for ourselves. We are the infant cast aside. We... We have nothing to offer God that is going to be good enough. And, and we need to understand this is the condition of everyone who has ever taken a breath on this planet. We are all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. That's the condition of the world. It's not because God's a mean God. That's not it at all. It's not like God said, well, you wicked sinner and, and turns us away. In fact, this is going to show you that that's not God. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned everyone to his own way. The condition that we're in 
is our problem. It's our problem. And everyone you know, I'm, 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 I don't, I don't be harsh, I don't, but you know, it's like your grandchildren don't go to heaven just because you know Jesus is your Savior. Do you understand that? God has no grandchildren. He only has children. He has no grandchildren. We must each come to Christ. And, and sometimes we get this tunnel vision concept thinking that somehow that's true for everybody except. And we're going to miss out on the opportunity of sharing the much needed gospel with those around us. Somehow convincing ourselves that, you know, God's grace and, but we've been singing all morning about it, and it is a wonderful grace, and we're going to read about it in just a moment. But that God's grace is going to overlook. But God can't. Because while God is a gracious God, He is also a just God. And His justice must be met. And through His grace, His justice is met. Here's what His grace did. His grace sends Jesus to live a perfect, sinless life. And then Jesus... Sinless Jesus, he who knew no sin, became sin for us. And God's justice was thrust upon the gracious Jesus. And he paid the debt. And offers then to anyone who will believe, anyone who will place their faith in his death, anyone who will trust his death, he offers the gift of salvation. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But apart from Jesus, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And that's what this is a story about. Understanding that everyone you know, everyone in our lives needs this story to be their reality. But look at verse 6. I mean, here we are. We've been, no one's bothered to cut our navel. No one's bothered to wash us or supplice, salting us. I'm, I'm assuming that that's just washing, you know, using that saline solution to clean us up and swallow us. That's just what it sounds like, swallow us and, you know, taking care of us and wrapping us up. None I pitied us. No one's had compassion on us. We're out in the open field to the loathing of that person. And then we get to verse 6. Oh, look at it. God's still talking. When I passed by thee. And I saw thee polluted in thine own blood, in your own sin. The condition is yours. The condition is mine. When God passed by at 16 years of age, John Ray, and he saw that I had been cast away out to the loathing of my own person. And I had no hope and no help from anyone else. When God saw me polluted in my own sin, in my own condition, separated from God, look what he says. I said unto thee, when thou wast in thy blood, what's the word? Live. See, we are dead in our trespasses and sins separated from God. That's us. And God passes by. And he says, live. If you're here this morning, you've never trusted Christ your Savior, can I tell you some wonderful news? If you listen real carefully, you'll hear it. There's a God in heaven passing by your soul right now. And his invitation to you is, I want you to have life. I want you to live. This is what this God wants to do for us. He's inviting. Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. God in Isaiah says, come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet, I'll make them white as snow. God's great invitation is to invite us to Christ. And if you're here this morning, you've never trusted Christ your Savior, there's a God in heaven who is passing by right now, and his invitation is, I want you to live. I want you to live. Look what it says. I love this. Verse 7. I have caused thee to multiply as the bud of the field, and thou hast increased and waxed and great. Thou art come to excellent ornaments. 
Thy breasts are fashioned, thine hair is grown, whereas thou wast naked and bare. Now when I passed by thee and looked upon thee, thy time was the time of love. And I spread my skirt over thee and covered thy nakedness. In the New Testament it says this way, we are clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. You see, when God looks at John Ray, he doesn't see this. He doesn't see the warts and the pink eye and, the, and all the things that I do that annoy you and frustrate you that you wish I would grow out of. He doesn't see that. You know what God sees? He sees the righteousness of his son, Jesus Christ. Because that 16-year-old boy years ago placed his faith, his confidence, his trust in what Jesus did on the cross as a payment for his sin, and God spread his skirt over me. And my sin debt was taken away. And that's his invitation to all. His desire is that we would all allow him to do this, that he would, that he would come alongside and pr- spread his skirt over us, cover our nakedness, swear unto us, and enter into a covenant with us, verse 8 still. And thou, I love the end of this, and thou becamest mine. Wow. Wow. In the New Testament, it's called adoption. See, this is an amazing thing. God covers everything. I, I, my kids are adopted. You probably already know that, and if not, now you do. But um, adoption, at least in the state of Indiana, is a really unique concept, right? Adoption is contractual. So you enter into a contract with the state of Indiana, and you accept responsibility for the one that you're adopting. And in the state of Indiana, that is an irrevocable contract. I can't decide that I no longer want to have my kids. See, you, if you have kids that are born to you, you can disown them. But I can't. We've entered into a contract with the state of Indiana, an irrevocable contract that says, nope, they're mine forever, like it or not, right? Sorry, J.D., you can't get out of it. It's just, it's the way it is. Like it or not. And so, you know, that, that's an interesting concept of adoption because the wonderful part about this is we also, through Christ, become his children by a new birth. So it is not just an adoption, it is also a birth. So we have both sides of this equation covered in salvation through Christ. We are his. And when God makes that statement, you became mine. It means something. Every parent knows what that means. Think about this. What, what would your kids ever do that would make you disown them anyway? Right? I know you can, but what would they do that would make you do that? Every parent knows. It's just not going to happen, Pastor John. Exactly. And if we as sinful people know how to give good gifts unto our children, remember what the verse says? How much more does our Heavenly Father know how to give good gifts unto His children? We are His by adoption. We are His by a new birth in Jesus Christ. We've entered into a covenant with God, and we became His. Verse 9, Then washed I thee with water. Yea, I thoroughly washed away thy blood. In this this illustration, that blood represents our sinfulness, that which is to our loathing. We were left out there in our own blood, and now he's washed that away. My sins are washed away through the blood of Jesus Christ. So that I stand before God forgiven. This becomes my new position. Prior to this, separated from God. Prior to this, an enemy of God. Prior to this, a sinner to a righteous God. Now I stand before God forgiven. I am his. And he is mine. Well, good. I'm glad you did. I found this on the web, Siri says. I, don't, I should have read it to see what she might have found on the web, considering what we were talking about. But anyway. Um, so, I have washed away thy blood from thee, and I anointed thee with oil. Now, you, you already know all these things, right? But in, throughout the, the, all of the scripture and in the New Testament, that anointing of oil is the Holy Spirit of God. And this is what happens when we trust Christ as our Savior. Our sin is washed away. 
We become his. He enters into a covenant with us, and now I am his, and he anoints us. He fills us with his Holy Spirit. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, the Bible says. All of this wonderful picture, while we were, we were out there with no hope, nothing we could do on our own that's going to get us out of this condition, and yet, this is what God does for us. What a wonderful God it is that we have. He goes on to say in verse 10, I clothe thee also with embroidered work and shod thee with badger skin. I girded thee about with fine linen and covered thee with silk. I mean, God not only then makes us his own, but as his children and as our father, God goes above and beyond. And so not only has he cleaned us up and covered us with his skirt and hidden our nakedness, but now he is blessing us and blessing us and blessing us. And I love that song, blessing after blessing keeps on following me. You guys know that song? Just keep, and that's, this is God, what God does. He just, he just begins to shower us. We're his children. And he knows how to give good gifts into his children. And he begins to shower us with his goodness, with his blessing. And it's not just small stuff. It's fine linen. It's not just small stuff. It's ornaments and bracelets in verse 11. It's a chain upon our neck. In verse 12, it's a jewel on our forehead, a beautiful crown upon our head. In verse 13, he's decked us with gold and with silver and fine linen and silk and embroidered work. And we eat fine, fine flour and honey and oil. And ex- we now have exceeding beauty. Whereas before, we were over there cast out in our own blood to our own loathing. No one wanted to even look upon us. But God came by. That 16-year-old kid, God came by. That 16-year-old kid whose family was falling apart, whose life was heading nowhere fast. That 16-year-old kid whose life was messed up, and God comes by and changes everything. And God begins to bless. What a wonderful God we have. This is what God wants to do for everyone that you and I know, and he's been doing it for you and I, whether we're paying attention to it or not. He says, and thou didst prosper into a kingdom. I mean, God's just building us. So some of you, you know, might have two, three, four generations of Christianity now, where God has just been building and building and adding to and growing, and it's been wonderful as God has just put his hand upon your family. It's it's an amazing thing to watch what the grace of God does. In my family, um, early on, and in, in going back a generation, my dad's family, my grandmother knew Christ early on. And, and the distinction of the Ray side of my family versus the Flynn side of my family, whereas they did not know Christ early on. And I had uncles who were, who were drunks and, you know, who, two of my uncles died because of alcohol. And, and, I mean, it was just, it was a mess over here. And to watch as God's grace began to work here, it, it's amazing the difference. And then an amazing thing happened. God passed by my Uncle Donnie. And he got saved. And he quit drinking. And he was able to talk to my Uncle Leroy, and he got saved. And he quit drinking. And my Uncle Donnie became a preacher. And the grace of God began to work in this side of the family. It was amazing to watch as all of a sudden God is clothing this side of the family and blessing this side of the family. And in the midst of all of that, that 16-year-old kid gets saved. And then his brother gets saved, and his sister gets saved, and his dad gets right with God, and his mom gets right with God. And, and it's wonderful to watch as God works this direction. This is what God wants to do for everyone in your family, for everyone you know. But apart from Christ, it does not happen. Apart from Christ, we're out there in the open field, to our own loathing, in our own blood, dealing with ourselves, with nothing to offer and no hope. We need Jesus. But Jesus is willing to come by and do. Take a look at verse 15. Want to have a broken heart? Christian, have you been here? But thou didst trust in thine own beauty. This is the same person, by the way. 
God's still talking about the same person. He went by, picked them up out of the field, dressed them, made them beautiful, put crowns on them, uh, you know, put great clothes on them, fed them with oil and honey and fine flour, and, and they've grown up to be a beautiful example. And all of a sudden, that one, that one, begins to trust their own beauty. Look who I am. You ever known that kind of a Christian? They're still a Christian. I'll show you that in just a moment. They're still a Christian. But they've somehow confused the blessings of God on their lives with something that they've done as if they've been the reason for God's blessing. The reason we are what we are is because God has done what he's done in our lives. That's it. That's why we are what we are. Apart from Jesus, we're nothing. Without him, I can do nothing. Apart from Christ, I'm still in my own sin, dead in my trespasses and sins. And all of a sudden, this person who God has raised up begins to think more highly of themselves than they ought. Look at verse 16. And of thy garments thou didst take, and deckest thy high places. You're using God's blessings to worship other gods here in diverse colors in verse 17 thou hast taken thy fair jewels and thy gold and my gold and my silver which i had given thee and made to thyself images of men i mean all of a sudden knowing the grace of god we begin to go back to where we once were and it makes no sense verse 18 thou tookest thy broidered garments and covered them literally kind of becoming ashamed of what God has made them. See, God took us out of sinfulness and made us righteous. And now all of a sudden, because the world is laughing at our righteousness, we want to embrace the wickedness of the world. And you literally see Christian people setting aside the garments of righteousness that God has given us to go back to the world's way of living. It's not making sense. God has made us into something beautiful through his grace. And we're spitting on his gifts by going back to what we once were. And it makes no sense. Verse 20, Moreover, thou hast taken thy sons and thy daughters, whom thou hast borne unto me, and hast sacrificed them to be devoured. I mean, literally, we're, we're giving up our families for the pleasure of sin for a season. God has begun to make something beautiful out of us, out of our families, and, and we're putting our kids on the line so that we can enjoy whatever it is that we want to enjoy for the moment. And that's what's happening here. Thou hast slain my children, verse 21, and delivered them to the cause, to cause them to pass through the fire for them. Verse 43, because thou hast not remembered the days of thy youth, but hast fretted me, God's still talking, God said, you put me in this position in all things. Behold, therefore, I will recompense thy way upon thine head. Here's, a, here's an amazing thing about this God of ours. He loves us so much that he came by and he made something out of us. But he'll also let us go our own way. And he will let us suffer the consequences of our decisions. And that's what's happening here. And all of a sudden, we've forgotten how important the grace of God is. And it is at this time that we're in danger of thinking that somehow our kids don't need to hear about Jesus. So I'm going to go, I'm obviously preaching to the choir, you're here, right? So I'm going to just go take them fishing on the weekends because they don't need to hear about Jesus because, you know, God loves them and God's going to take it. And they're great kids, and they are. They're great kids. But they're great kids who need Jesus. Because no one gets to heaven without Jesus. No one. No one, either that or Jesus is a liar, right? You can't have it both ways. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. We don't want to forget. We don't want to have God, God's grace so impact our lives that somehow we think we're special and that anybody who, who our lives touch are special and they don't need the same grace of God. Not true. They need the grace of God. But to go down, skip down if you would, please, to verse 60. I want to show you the way this ends. It ends powerfully. 
Nevertheless, think about this. God does something to change us, make us into something for His honor, for His glory. And then we squander our opportunity if we're not careful. Verse 60 is wonderful. Nevertheless, I will remember my covenant, God says, with thee in the days of thy youth. And I will establish unto thee an everlasting covenant. Hey, listen, folks. Just like I couldn't save myself, you know what else I can't do? I can't keep myself saved. I can't get rid of my sin, and I can't keep myself in a saved situation. I'm dependent upon God to do what I cannot do. And so when he saves me, he enters into a promise with me. I am sealed until the day of redemption, the Bible says. I am kept by the power of God. That's what keeps me. It's not me living up to God's standard in order to stay saved. It is Him living up to His covenant for me to stay saved. Just like He's the one who saved me. He comes alongside and He invites me to come. And I accept His wonderful gift. He makes beautiful things of me. And even when I fail, He does not. And verse 61 is where it comes back to making it part of us. Then, as God is staying faithful to his promise, then thou shalt remember thy ways. That's where we come to today, sometimes. Pastor, I know God's touched me with his grace. I remember a time that I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. But maybe it's, Pastor, but I've squandered the opportunity. I've squandered what God has given me. God took me and he decked me out with gold and silver and jewels and a crown. And he made something of me and I somehow forgot. And he has stayed faithful. May today be a day of remembering. Then thou shalt remember. In verse 62, and I will establish my covenant with thee and thou shalt know that I am the Lord. So I want to come to this conclusion today. Two things. Do we know that he is the Lord because we've trusted him as our Savior? Got to nail this one down. If you're here this morning, you've never trusted Jesus Christ your Savior. If you've never come to Jesus, we are still out there in that field, left to ourselves. Nothing we can do without hope. We need God to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And he's offering to do it today. He's passing by. As the old song says, pass me not, O gentle Savior. Right? Hear my humble cry. While on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. And he won't. He won't. He's passing by today and he's offering. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. That's his offer. Maybe you say, Pastor, I know I'm a Christian. I know I've trusted Christ. But I've forgotten what it means. I want today to be that day of remembrance. I want God to bring me back to a place where I want to live in His beauty, not my own. Not thinking of myself, not thinking that somehow I've accomplished, that I've made something of my life, but recognizing that God's blessings have made something of my life. And I do not want to squander the opportunity to bring glory and honor to my Savior in the way that I'm living. And I've begun to take His blessings and pass them off Pastor, I want today to be that day of remembrance. Let's have heads bowed and eyes closed, please. Just a moment. Two things to ask you about. One is, have you trusted Christ as your Savior? If you say, Pastor John, I know sitting here right now, I know that there's been a time in my life in which I put my confidence, my trust, my faith in what Jesus Christ did on the cross as the payment for my sins. And Pastor, if I died today, not because of who I am, but because of who Jesus is, I know I'm going to heaven as testimony to that. Would you slip your hand up and let me see that so I can just praise the Lord with you? Thank you. Thank you. You may put your hands down. Most everybody. Not everybody. Most everybody. Can you hear him? Those of you who are unable to raise your hand, can you hear him? He's passing by right now. 
And he's saying unto you, I want you to live. I want you to live. He's offering to clean up the sin mess that is in our life and to cover us with his righteousness, the righteousness of Jesus Christ. The offer is there. Whosoever shall call the name of the Lord shall be saved. Right now, right where you're sitting in the quietness of this moment, you can put your faith, your confidence, your trust in what Jesus did on the cross as the payment for your sins. And a God who cannot lie will keep his promise to forgive your sin debt and give you the gift of eternal life. Right now, right where you're sitting. Would you do that? Would you put your faith in Jesus Christ right now? Trusting what he did on the cross as the payment for your sin. And if sitting here this morning you did that right now, would you just look up here at me for just a moment and make eye contact with me? Make sure I see you. Is there anyone? There's a God in heaven who loves you that much. And it's his desire to give you this gift of eternal life. Then Christian, let me ask you a question. Has God made something beautiful of our lives only for us to squander it? Only for us to take his blessing? and try to use it for our own glory. This is what you see played out here in Ezekiel 16. God is still going to be faithful. This is not about our salvation. God is still going to be faithful, because that's the kind of God He is. But it's His desire to continue to add to His beauty upon our lives. And when we begin to give it away and squander it, we miss out on that. You say, Pastor John, I have to be honest. I, I, I've, been, I've been made alive in Christ. I know that. But Pastor, I'm kind of playing out the middle of Ezekiel chapter 16. And I'm squandering the blessings that God has placed upon my life. Going after the things of this world instead of the things of God. And Pastor, I want today to be that day of remembrance, that day of returning Pastor, God spoke to my heart and challenged me. I need to get some things taken care of. Would you pray for me? Would you slip your hand up and let me see that so I can pray for you? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Father, tender hearts are here this morning. God, do a work. Remind us of how much you love us. And God, make something beautiful, afresh and anew, out of us. If there's anyone here that does not know your son, may today they recognize how desperately you love them and desire to give them eternal life. And Father, we'll thank and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. We're going to sing Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound, 187 in your hymnals if you need it. As we sing, the altar's open to you. If you want to do business with the Lord, you say, I need to get some things taken care of, the altar's open to you. If you want to talk to someone about salvation, we'd be happy to meet you down front. As we sing together, 187, you step out, let the Lord have his way, would you? So it says here, we are blessed to know Patty is in heaven with her Lord and Savior. Dear church family, words cannot express how grateful we are to each and every one of you. Thoughts, prayers, kind words, uh, and hugs. We love the, yep, beautiful, there it is, candle in memory of Patty. We are truly blessed to be part of such a loving congregation that cares for each other as Southeast Baptist does. Thanks again. Much love, Dan and Glenda. I'll leave this up here so you can see it if you'd like to see it. Again, congratulations, Nate and Bertha. Do we have a date yet? No? All right. Well, we're excited for you. That's exciting. So wonderful, wonderful. It's always great to have those kinds of things happening. A growing church ought to be having people getting married, ought to be having babies. We've got four babies coming. We've got, uh, you know... It ought to be happening, you know, that's, that's just exciting stuff. So anyway, anything else I'm supposed to be announcing? 
If I seem a little bit off, it's because I'm operating on one contact lens today. I didn't put a contact lens in that eye that was suffering the pink eye. So, like, yeah. <laughs> like, if you think I've got a crooked eye, that might be it. I don't know what to say. So, anyway, Lord bless you. Keep you, make His face shine upon you, give you peace. Love you all. God bless you. You are dismissed.